On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Free Indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. The next area is ungodly beliefs and strongholds. John 8, 31 and 32 <clears throat> remind us all the truth will make us free, but a lie will keep us in bondage. Now, this is the battleground, the battle of the mind. <clears throat> strongholds. What are strongholds? Well, they're things that we've, we've either learned or inherited from our family or from experience that would hold us back from being who God wants us to be. 2 Corinthians 10. Three through five said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Again, this is talking about warfare. Uh, we, don't, we don't walk in the flesh, and we don't war according to the flesh. Again, we're not battling people. But we have weapons that are in God for mighty weapons. What are they? The Word. Praise, is, praise and worship is a weapon. Uh, giving thanks is a weapon. Um, there, there are lots of our weapons that we have. The primary weapon is the Word of God. That, that's the sword of the Spirit. Everything actually works off of that particular weapon because praise and worship, as we worship in the Spirit and with the word, it's a weapon. And so this, the word is the primary thing. But we have weapons that are mighty. They're not carnal. They're not fleshly. It's not all about doing something in the flesh. They're mighty in God. And what they're to do is to pull down strongholds. A stronghold is a thought pattern contrary to the word of God that brings us into defeat. And it is characterized by hopelessness. You want to know if you have a stronghold? All you have to do is think about what's an area that you don't believe can change. That you have no hope they can change. That's a stronghold. And what a stronghold is, it's a house of thoughts that is structured to keep that area in you. And this is why it's so important to recognize, you know, you can probably right now identify some strongholds in your life. You know, things that don't seem to be able to change. I don't have any hope that it will change. Yeah, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's a whatever. But any area that you don't believe can change, because with God, there's nothing that's impossible. So um, that's a stronghold, and we, we don't realize how the enemy has slipped in to build that stronghold. Now, you think about a house being built. And when they start framing a house, it's amazing to watch that it's pretty flimsy when it first starts. But once that house gets the walls up and the structure set and the, the roof framing on and they start putting in the other parts of it, that, that's a pretty strong structure. And that's what we're talking about here. So when I talk about a stronghold, we're not talking about something that, you know, yesterday something happened. We're talking about something that, that's been in us for a long time. It's really got some structure to it. And that structure is basically hopelessness. Now, looking at this, the first thing it says that strongholds are supported by arguments and high things. 
I want to look at both of those separately. Argument is what Satan uses against us as evidence to support the stronghold. Think about that like a court of law. The prosecutor brings all the evidence. Well, that's what the devil does. He goes, look, you can't change. They can't change. Nothing's going to change. Look at what you've done. You've been prayer. You've been to ministry. You've repented. You've fasted. You've done all this stuff. You've gotten these people to pray. Nothing's changed. It's not going to change. And what the enemy does is he lays out all this evidence and says, see, it's not going to change. That supports the stronghold that whatever that is, if you don't believe it can change. So that's what an argument is. The, the enemy is always trying to build a case. He is trying to support that stronghold. High things then are basically accusations against God. So the enemy comes in and says, oh, God doesn't love you. Oh, by the way, God, he, he's angry with you. I mean, you've messed up. Now, I know you've probably never heard that, but I've heard that before, so I thought I would just share that. <laughs> but the reality is, is that no. You know, he said, oh, God, mm-mm. no, he'll help that, that pastor up there, but he won't help you. Oh, by the way, so-and-so, he helped them, but didn't help you. So it's the constant accusations against God, against him not caring for you, not being loving, not good. And that, do you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Both of those bombarding you constantly about areas. So you know right off, when I start talking about strongholds, you know right off, wait a minute, I got some of these. I've got some areas that I don't believe can change. And, and doggone it, I've allowed that evidence to build up. And I've allowed the accusations of God and I've, it's, you know what he's trying to get you to do? He's trying to get you back off. He's trying to get you backing off, keep backing off. And you just oh, finally just go, oh, well, forget it. It's always going to be that way. Is that true? And we got to recognize that, that, listen, we have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The Word of God, again, the truth will make you free. A lie will keep you in bondage. So you've got to discover what does the truth say. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of sicknesses you're dealing with. There's a lot of uh, relational problems you're dealing with. And, I mean, they're long-term issues. It's like, man, how long? I don't know. But I, can, I just know this. Those strongholds are designed to hold you and keep you in that same position so that you basically don't believe. You don't believe things can change. And so when you recognize how this breaks down, you can begin to recognize it. Wait a minute. It doesn't matter how many times you've been prayed for. God's still a healer. It doesn't matter how many times you've gone to ministry and counseling. He came to set us free. That's why I tell people, keep getting prayed for. Keep pursuing God. Get into relationship. Spend time in the Word. Don't back off that. That's what we end up doing. You know, well, we just sort of give up. You know, well, you know. It's not going to work. But the bottom line is, is that we have weapons that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Turn the next page. Here are some things that, <clears throat> that we may say sometimes about ourselves. I'm always going to be alone. No one really loves me. I'm unlovable. My feelings don't count. No one cares what I think or feel. I'm unworthy. God can never love me. I actually deserve bad things. I'm a bad person. People really knew me. They would not like me. 
I've made too many mistakes to really be forgiven. Even when I give my best, it's never good enough. I'm unattractive. I cannot ever change. I will always be. Now, we can just keep doing that and keep going on and on and on and on. These are basically inner vows that we've stated. These are negative thoughts or strongholds. Some of them can be real strong. But the reality is, is that, again, I'm just trying to cause us to be open to any of these kinds of activities. You need to make a list. You need to pray and say, Lord, show me any area that I've opened the door uh, that I've got a stronghold and how is it operating in my life? Because that's what God wants to do is to break those things. Now, it's not easy. When there's been a long-term stronghold, you're going to have to really dismantle that thing by the Word of God. You're going to have, you have to battle. You have to write down those negative thoughts, and you're going to have to write down what does the Word say. And again, we've got a sheet here. You can begin to write those things down. But you're going to, it's a battle. And how you win? By the Word. you got to go to the Word. I tell people this all the time. Your circumstances will guarantee change. They may not change for the better, but they will change. But I want to tell you something. The Word of God, I brought my pen again. The Word of God is still going to be here. In 100 years from now, you know something? The Word of God is still going to be here. 100 years before we were here, the Word of God was here. It's still going to be here. That's the battle. Are we going to be able to believe this and believe he who is the living word or are we going to live and believe our circumstances? I'll get it, Chris. I saw you working on trying to get it. But I don't actually even need it. I'll just put it over here. But the point is, is that you got to look at these strongholds. Now, restoring the foundations ministry estimate that at least 50% of Christians deal with the stronghold of shame. I think probably all of us do. Shame keeps us separated from God and from one another. Again, in, in Jimmy Evans and Ann Billingsley's book on freedom from your past, this is a direct quote out of there. It said, guilt is a response to something you've done. It's a reaction to your behavior. Perhaps you've sinned, committed an offense, or violated a relationship, and you deeply regret your action. These situations usually generate guilt, which leads to one of two responses, condemnation or conviction. If guilt becomes unhealthy, it develops into feelings of condemnation. Remember I said uh, yesterday, condemnation makes you feel bad. You're a bad person. You know, you just feel, ah. Conviction is precise. Uh, conviction is, is like that is sin. Don't say you're a sinner. Condemnation is you're just a bad person. So when you turn the page there to the next day on shame, shame, though, frequently confused with guilt, condemnation, conviction is different. Unlike guilt, which is basically we should feel guilty when we do wrong. You understand? If your conscience is clear, if you do something wrong or you violate a relationship or you hurt somebody, you go, ah, that was wrong. That was bad. You know, I need to get that right. Shame, though, unlike guilt, is not a response to something you've done. It's a response to who and what you perceive yourself to be. Shame is actually the enemy behind feelings of inferiority, which entice us to compare ourselves with others. Shame is an inner sensing of defectiveness. It colors our emotions and relationships and drives us towards self-depreciating behavior. What shame says is that I'm wrong. I'm faulty. There's something wrong with me. 
Now, again, that's the result of the fall in the garden. The result of the fall is that they knew they were naked. They became self-consciously aware of themselves. That overly self-focused issue is what we still deal with today. And life's all about me. Life's not about me. Life's about him. And and when it's overly focused on me, what I should have done, could have done, might have done, did, did, and all that stuff, it just, we, we're, we're messed up. And so what God wants us to do is to recognize that this shame, which is a stronghold, he wants to shatter that thing in our life. Jesus became, he took that shame on the cross. I mean, wow, it's amazing for us. So the root causes of shame are obviously rejection, and there really is a demonic spirit of rejection. Uh, absence of real meaningful love, which is rejection, abandonment, neglect, any form of abuse, whether it's physical, verbal, sexual, birth deformity, physical disability, speech or learning problems, constant criticism or threats to perform well, unjust discipline, favoritism, embarrassment over looks, parents, financial condition, being born a girl when, when parents wanted a, a boy or vice versa. Shame by association when someone in the family had sinful lifestyle. Now, I listed here below, there are some manifestations of shame. Anger, you don't take responsibility, you want to blame others. Now, let me just tell you my story. I, I told you about I had a, a demonic spirit that I got delivered of, and I've gone through all this ministry, and people would say, well, where did it come from? Got to know. My parents were not angry. And I see you can, you can learn Again, being in a family, the family's angry. You just learn that lifestyle. You learn how not to relate to one another properly, and it just keeps building. So, but my parents weren't angry. So they didn't yell and scream at each other. They didn't yell and scream at me. There's no evidence of anger. I never heard a woman raise her voice until I was 13 years old. Yeah, I did live a very sheltered life. I lived on a farm. And uh, like I said, I just never heard, I never heard people raise their voice. Um, so I wasn't an angry person, but I sure had a problem, and it was a demonic spirit. And so all, you know, I'd go through all these different ministries, and they would say, people would ask me, say, well, where did that come from? I go, I don't know. Until about five or six years ago, I was listening to, uh, I'm not sure what the, if the Restoring the Foundation tape on, Fear, shame, I'm not sure what they call it. Fear, shame, and it's called something. Anyway, in the mid- middle of that CD I was listening to, it, it's like, oh, the Lord showed me. My mother, who is from Frisco, by the way, uh, where my, my father met her, uh, her mother got a divorce when my mother was six years old. There were three little girls in the family. So my grandmother got a divorce. Now, she was the postmaster in Frisco. She played the Piana, the Baptist church, all the days of her life. As far as I know, in fact, her home is still sitting there on Main Street and Precinct Line in downtown Frisco. Still there. It's a shop. But, um, but as a little kid, it, we'd go up there and visit. But that was my grandmother. She never remarried. But what the Lord showed me is, again, that's not real kosher in 1920-something living in Frisco, Texas with 400 people getting divorced. And that shame, wherever it came from in my family line, was in my family at that point in time. At six years old, I'm living on the farm, and they closed the little country school, and I have to ride the school bus to the big city of Corsicana, 
<laughs> and that shame, I felt different. I felt different. I felt like there was something wrong with me. And, I, and that opened the door to a demonic spirit. And that shame in my life activated that all the way through until really I got delivered. But it was years later before I realized that was the open door was shame. So again, what I keep saying to you, there's a lot of things that happen in our life that we don't correlate. It doesn't connect the dots. But I mean, you think, well, your parents were angry. That's why you were angry. That is a lifestyle that does happen. But it wasn't in mine. So it's like, that doesn't seem to connect. But it sure it doesn't matter. The devil is looking for an opportunity to gain access no matter what you do. So that was the open door for me, was shame. And so these manifestations of anger, condemnation, depression, uh, being apologetic, always apologizing for things, passivity. I mean, these are the kind of things that, that uh, turn the page there. You can, had a person that, uh, a friend of mine that father told him he will never amount to anything. Said, you are a failure and you will never amount to anything. Spent the entire life uh, overachieving to prove that he was not a failure. And, uh, but that doesn't solve the inner issues. The, our, our inner issues are only solved by God. But we come in agreement with the Word of God. And so being religious, do you realize that a lot of religious behavior is actually a result, it's a product of shame? If I act good enough and religious enough, then I'll feel better about myself. Well, it was the religious people that crucified Jesus. So that's not a very good crowd to be part of. I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm just saying that it's that motivation. So how do you pull down these strongholds? Well, you have to identify them first. And that's where you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any stronghold in your life or any ungodly belief or anything there that's keeping you from being Christ-like, okay? You can identify those by areas of hopelessness. If you don't think you can change, it's a stronghold. You got to write down all the negative evidence that the devil uses against you. And that's why we gave you this sheet, is to be able to write down things that you think, well, I don't think this can change. Um, what, what's the evidence there? Then you need to write down the truth and what the Word says. With God, all things are possible. There is nothing too difficult for Him. His hand is not short. His ear is not dull. He hasn't left us nor abandoned us. He said, I promise I'll never leave you. The power of the resurrection raised Jesus from the dead. It's for you. So you've got to use the word and, and you've, got to, you've got to lay the word out and literally go, okay, this is what the evidence is. These are the negative things, but this is what the word says. I'm going to choose the word. I'm going to proclaim that this is true and this is a lie. And I'm going to put my trust in God and I'm not going to believe these lies. You know, and, and when I talk about a battle, let me tell you something. It's probably going to intensify if you really want to know the truth. That, those, those lies are probably going to jump off that page and try to, yeah, we are the truth. And you're going to say, no, this is the truth. This is the word of God. This, he loves me and he has the very best for me. And he's proven it by going to the cross and dying for me. So it's a battle, but you've got to really pray for that. So what I want to do, I want to, I want to just, pray right now. I want to ask the Lord to really 
expose these strongholds. I, you, you already know what they are. <clears throat> but we're going to take some time here for you to be able to just think about strongholds. Write them down, and then we're going to ask the Lord to show and then just reveal anything there that's holding us back from being who God's called us to be. Well, Father, we love you and we bless you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal any and all strongholds and ungodly beliefs that are affecting our life in a negative way. I just ask him to, to show those things. Areas of hopelessness, areas that, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I just don't believe. I just having a hard time here. These are areas that seem to be a pattern that have never been broken in my life, and I just don't know what to do. Well, Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you so, so much for your grace and mercy. Help us, Lord, to expose those lies and help us to believe the truth. And Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you now in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.